Picking up where we left off after episodes 7 and 8, our two-part special with Suzanne Gill, I head to the Wheat Chief pub in Bolden, Tyne and Weir, to conduct the only paranormal investigation allowed in the haunted pub in the last decade. During my near three-hour chat with Suzanne, she explained in great detail the terrifying events of 2004. Events which included possession, threats from a dead man, and a pub customer being left in a coma by the same evil unseen spirit. On a cold February night, 11 years later, I'm going to face, head on, the most dangerous spirit I may have ever encountered. Tonight, join me for a very special episode as we investigate the Wee Chief, once named the most haunted pub in the UK. fourth bonus Patreon episode of How Haunted. How Haunted is a weekly paranormal podcast where each episode we explore the horrible history and terrifying ghost stories of one of the most haunted places on planet Earth. I'm Rob Kirkup, author, paranormal historian and ghost hunter from the northeast of England. Allow me to be your guide as I take you along on a paranormal investigation at one of the most haunted places in the world. I'll explain in detail every aspect of the ghost hunt and once the investigation gets underway, you'll hear audio from the investigation as it happened. You'll be part of the team, as you'll join us for what is guaranteed to be one hell of a night. Tonight, let's head to the Wee Chief and ask the question, how haunted? Listener discretion is advised, as this episode features real audio from an actual paranormal investigation where anything could happen. Listen on, if you dare. This episode very much follows on from episodes 7 and 8. Across those two episodes, we heard of the incredible, absolutely unique happenings. At this very ordinary village pub back in 2004, we heard first-hand from the medium at the centre of those events, Suzanne Gill. Let's briefly recap just what makes this such a special location before we hear what happened when I spent the night there, just over a decade later. The Wheat Chief Public House dates back to the beginning of the 19th century. Staff working there prior to and including early 2004 were aware of sporadic strange happenings, which had led them to conduct a Ouija board to try and understand who was moving furniture around after dark, throwing kitchen utensils around, and who was responsible for the screaming heard late at night after all the customers had left. The Ouija board was treated as a light-hearted bit of fun to begin with, and not one of them wanted or were prepared for what happened next. They each placed a finger on the upturned shock glass, and nothing happened at first, but then it moved. It moved purposefully, 
and to their abject horror, it spelled out, Get out, or I will kill you. And as they all went to remove their fingers, in shock and horror at what had just happened, the glass moved again. This time much slower, and much more gently. It went to the letter H, then E, then L, then P, then M, before returning and stopping on the letter E. It spelled out, help me. The people of Bolden were blissfully unaware of the fact that their local pub may well have had a number of spirits beyond those hanging up behind the bar, and would happily pop along for a pint or for a meal. They had no idea. That was all to change in 2004, when not just those in Bolden, in Tyne and Weir, but the entire world would see this little village pub thrust into the headlines, following a series of utterly unbelievable events, which began at a charity psychic night. Professional medium Suzanne Gill, originally from Merseyside, knew nothing of the Wheat Chief. In fact, she'd never even been there before. But she immediately picked up on an evil, angry presence, and her mind was filled with visions of truly horrific crimes against children. Suzanne was quoted in the media, following the events that would unfold over the weeks and months that would follow, that there were 37 spirits within the premises, and one in particular was desperately crying out for help. This little girl was called Jessica, and Suzanne was convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that she'd been murdered right here in the Wheatsheaf around a hundred years earlier, and that somewhere within the building was evidence that would prove this was the case. This led to a wall in a bedroom being opened up, and sure enough, there it was, just as she had said. Jessica had been here, but where were her remains now? That's a mystery that remains to this very day. Her murderer may well have been a man called Joseph, and his spirit too is here within the pub. And not only would he threaten to kill Suzanne, but he would also reveal, later, via a Ouija board session, that he had knowledge of her children, knowledge that nobody at that session other than Suzanne would know. These remarkable events led to the Discovery Channel running an episode of its A Haunting series, all about what happened here, in an episode called The Wheat Chief Horror, and it was watched by over 20 million viewers. The Wheat Chief was also voted the most haunted pub in the UK in that same year, 2004. On the 28th of February 2015, I was in my car for the short eight mile drive from my home to Bolden, to conduct a paranormal investigation at the Wheatsheaf pub. I was joined by my good friend John Crozier sitting in the passenger seat and my younger brother Tom was sat in the back. All three of us were very excited about the prospect of having the opportunity to investigate this location, pretty much on our doorstep, that had found fame worldwide only a decade earlier. It was a cold night, but it was dry and it was very, very windy. I wrestled against the wind as I drove south on the A19, and we chatted excitedly about what lay in store when we reached our destination. I told the other two that I'd spoken to the owner, a guy called Damon Brown, on the phone, and he had told me that he didn't allow ghost hunts. But after talking with me, he had agreed to make an exception for us, 
Fast forward four years, and in 2019, there was a story in the local newspaper, The Chronicle, about Gateshead Paranormal Investigations, who were going to investigate the Wheat Chief that summer. This article contained some interesting aspects regarding theories about where Jessica's body may be. Theories that I hadn't heard before or since. This article reads, and I quote, We've heard there may be more bodies below the cellar, said landlord Damon Brown. We think there were eight or more children missing in the area at the time of Jessica's death, and more went missing later on. We have always been advised to be careful with the history of the pub, and that if we started opening up walls, there could be a crime scene and the pub may have to temporarily close. This article ends with, despite that spine-chilling warning, he's set to set only the second team of paranormal experts spend the night. The first team was us. I've since chatted with Gateshead Paranormal Investigations as I was keen to find out how their night went, but they told me that unfortunately for them it never happened. That means that at the time of recording, there has never been an investigation since ours, so we're the only team to have spent time at the Chief after dark in the last decade. I parked up just outside the Chief just before 11pm and we climbed out into the chilly winter night. The wind rattled the Chief sign hanging from the side of the old inn. We gathered our things from the car's boot. I slung a backpack over my shoulder which contained a camera, notepad, torch and a flask of coffee. In my hand, I held a heavy case of gadgets should the opportunity arise to use them or set up some experiments. Tonight was going to be a little bit tricky though as the bar would be open throughout our time in the Wheat Chief and the restaurant would be open for the majority of the first hour. This meant the opportunity to set up experiments in other rooms such as using motion sensors, locked off video cameras, would prove difficult and most likely ineffective. I led the way as we walked through the door of one of the most haunted pubs in Britain and I found Damon behind the bar. I introduced myself, Tom and John. There were handshakes all around and we chatted to Damon about the things he'd experienced since he took over the Wee Chief two years earlier. He told us, I'd be having breakfast and I can hear cutlery clattering around upstairs, being dropped all over the floor in the restaurant, and I'm the only person in the building. The dumb way a lift is used to get food between floors, but it moves on its own most usually between midnight and 1am. I don't believe in it, he told us, but he did admit that he gets spooked from time to time, as he's often here alone when this is happening. The restaurant upstairs is where they found evidence of Jessica's remains. Suzanne told me all about this room, long before it was a restaurant, in the interview with her, across episodes 7 and 8. He told us that there was a tunnel from the cellar that runs under the road to the church opposite, St Nicholas's Church that had chimed for 11pm as we walked through the door to the Wee Chief only five minutes earlier. He often hears people upstairs having conversations, when he's downstairs, and he's the only person in the entire building. With that, Damon wished us luck and returned to his customers. It was ten past eleven, and we headed down into the cellar, the cellar that the 2019 news story claimed had the bodies of murdered children buried beneath it and it was time for our investigation to begin. Right. Custom commences at... What's the time? Ten past. Ten past eleven. Go. The cellar is far noisier than I expected. 
There's lots of clicking and whirring, mechanical sounds from machinery. I've been in cellars of pubs that are rumoured to be haunted before. Back in around 2003 or 2004, I was let into the cellar of the Free Trade pub, the oldest pub in Berwick-up-on-Tweed, where the hatch to the cellar was closed above me, and I was locked in there all alone, and that was completely silent. It was totally different to the cellar of the Wheat Chief that we were in now. The source of the sound was a beer cooling machine. It wasn't so loud that we couldn't easily talk to one another, but it was going to make it difficult to identify any out-of-place sounds within the cellar with us. However, we knew that we only had two hours at the Wheat Chief, so we weren't to be deterred, and I asked aloud for anybody with us to let us know. As I went through some of the things in my case, I picked up the AMF meter. This device measures electromagnetic fluctuations, and it wasn't designed with the paranormal investigator in mind. However, it's been adopted by the ghost hunter, and has been an essential part of their arsenal for at least a couple of decades now. Electromagnetism is a natural force, and occurs when an electrical current is present, or changes, such as the atmosphere being charged up during a lightning storm, or when a man-made piece of equipment which utilises electricity is nearby, such as power lines or power outlets. Then came the theory that the presence of spirits generates electromagnetic fields too, and therefore can be sought out using one of these devices that only costs around £20. I pressed the button on the side, and it immediately registered off the scale, and let out a high-pitched electronic scream. This was unsurprising, given that we were surrounded by all manner of electrical machines. Tom sat on top of a cask of lager. I placed my voice recorder on a chair, situated away from the three of us, but also ensuring it was well away from all of the machinery making noise. And Tom, John and I chatted about Joseph. Unbeknown to me at the time, there's some really unusual interference on the audio, which sounds like whatever it is, is right next to the voice recorder. This only happens while we're discussing Joseph, until I return to the voice recorder, at which point whatever it is stops, and it doesn't happen again at all across the investigation. Was this something, or was this nothing? Tom remained sitting on his cask. I stood in a corner and John went into a hole in the wall. Ghosts of the Wheat Chief pub. There's three, three of us here today and we've come with complete respect. We haven't come to move you on or anything like that. We've just come to find out more about you. We've heard that there's a lot of stuff going on in this pub. Um, lots of spirits here. Of the paranormal variety. We've heard that there's a ghost of a, a young girl called Jessica here who, um, who lost her life here because she was abused and raped and murdered. Are you here, Jessica? 
we know that your body was disposed was was burnt in here before you were moved. Are you here? Can you give us some kind of a sign? Can you touch John, who's the one in the other room? Pull on his clothes. Or Joseph, the former landlord, horrible man that you are. Are you here? If there's anybody here with us, give us some kind of a sign. It's quite noisy. So you're going to have to move something, knock something over, throw something. Give us some kind of definite sign. this uh, I was just stead steadying it to see if it started doing it again is there anybody here with us at all have you seen something you just started freaking out Say that again, John, for the benefit of me, recorder. It's either giant rats in your hall, yeah. or... Or the, uh, uh, there's people directly up above and, and behind, because uh, I keep hearing a lot of moving around. When you say moving around, what do you mean? S scraping noises, light bangs. But well, not not, not like the f furniture moving noises from upstairs, but just... But but they, uh, I keep hearing, hearing footsteps on the stairs in the, the Moving forward, there's no one on the stairs. We'll get back in, see what happens. I asked aloud. The chair that my voice recorder had been on just a few moments earlier, when the strange noises were occurring, wobbled, even though none of us were near it. We all saw it. I checked, and it was flat on the floor. I steadied it to see if it did it again, which it didn't. John could hear footsteps and other sounds around him. He heard footsteps on the staircase coming down into the cellar where we were, but nobody was there. This seemed really promising, so knowing John is more than happy to see what develops, I suggest he goes back into the hole in the wall, while we continue to ask for more, from whoever is with us. I would like it if you could give us some kind of a sign that you're here. If there's anybody here with us now, could you move something or make a noise? just to let us know that we're not alone. I heard a noise over there, and I heard a noise up there. Were they both man-made noises? I couldn't tell you, because I don't know enough about pumps in there. I've never heard that make that noise before, when. It's all electric pumps. If you made the noise over there, or if you made the noise above us, thank you. Can you do it again? I checked the time. It was already 11.30pm. I asked out again. We heard two noises almost at the same time. One came from somewhere near to where Tom was sat, which may have been from the cooling machine, and another noise above us, which to me sounded like something hitting the ceiling. I asked again, 
asked for whoever was with us to repeat it, but we were met by silence. This probable man made explanations for both of these sounds, so we dismiss them for now and continue. If you were to make a noise, we may not hear it. So are you able to move something or throw something at one of us or touch one of us or hit one of us or anything? Show us what you can do. Come on, we know that you're here. Don't be scared. Come on, come out. We want to know more about you. We're going, to, we're going to be here for a few hours. We're not going anywhere yet. I asked aloud, trying to coax anyone with us to let themselves be known. But no matter how much I ask, there's no response. The room feels flat. It just doesn't feel like anything is going to happen. I'm going to ask a series of questions. In, me in my hand, I hold a device with an orange light on it. I'm going to ask a series of questions. If you can give us some kind of an answer, we might not be able to hear you, but if you are able to, to, to respond, could you speak into this device and we may be able to, to capture your voice on recording. Um, what is your name? What is your name? Do you want us to leave? I just heard like a cat. What was that? Oh, was it a door? Um. <laughs> How did you die? If there's anyone with us by the name of Joseph, could you come and join us in the room, please? We may believe that there is. A spirit with us called Joseph, an angry spirit. Murderer. We hear that you might be a murderer. We wonder what your story is, what your side of the story is. Please come and join us. If you don't want us here, please give us a sign that you don't want us here and we will move on. As there's no sign, I'm assuming that you're happy for us to ask questions. Come and join us, come in this room, use our Use our um, presence, our energy. Come, come amongst us. Come and join us in the middle of a circle that we kind of have, more like a triangle. Come, come stand in the centre of this triangle. Use our, use our energy. Answer some questions. Make some noises. Make some signs. Tell us that you are there. Can you knock something off, off one of the boxes? There's a screwdriver over there. Can you show us how powerful you actually are. Can you knock that off, please. You smash these glasses. Come on, we hear you, terrible man. Tom asks out. I join in, challenging Joseph to smash some glasses. At the same time I speak, there's a sound. It almost doesn't sound human, and none of us react to it at the time because we don't hear it. 
What do you think it is? I'm fairly certain it's nothing mechanical, from all of the things making noises around us. Let me know what you think. I'll play it again now. You smash these glasses. I continue to challenge Joseph, but either he isn't with us, or he isn't willing to entertain my requests. Maybe Joseph only picks on little girls. Maybe he doesn't want to be in with three blokes. Come on, Joseph. Get him. We're standing this doorway. You push him out of it. Yeah, push him out of it. I bet you can't. If you push him out of it, we'll leave. You probably don't want anyone else to get with you, do you? Joseph. Uh, scared of blokes. Come on, I'm not sure how strong you are. Push it. felt pushed yet. Come on. I've been looking forward to this for months because I've been told that there's spirits here but I don't see any proof that there's anything going on. It's you I want to meet Joseph but by the sounds of it I think you only pick on little girls and you know you can't hurt her. You can't do anything to her because you're weak. Isn't he? Come on, Joseph. Come out and show yourself. How dare you. Come on, do your worst. There was a girl murdered here by a horrible man called Joseph. We believe the girl's moved on, which is now at peace. But Joseph, I think you still lurk down here where you committed your crimes. I want proof that he's here. I want him to do something terrible. I want him to knock, smash all of them glasses. Or knock that bucket over. Turn the washing machine on. Hello? What the f*** was that? That sounded like a... That sounded like something talking, didn't it? That sounded voice-like. It sounded like a voice. Was that you, Joseph? It's genuinely scary, that, isn't it? Wasn't that scary? Not really. Did you not make you think there was a man telling you off? It was a cool noise, but it was, it was scary. Is that you, Joseph? Can you talk to us through this contraption again? It's like a walkie talkie, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Hello, is there anybody there? I hope the man doesn't come down to see us talking to his machine. Hello, Joseph? Are you there? We continue to goad Joseph, and I am on the brink of trying something different, when we all clearly hear a voice come through the machine that's making all the noise. It's a V21BC Vision Beer Cooler. 
it makes us all jump. And it's clear as day that it's a man's voice coming through the machine. We don't understand what it could be, but we try talking into it to see if it was some kind of feedback, or perhaps Joseph or another spirit are able to use the energy of the machine to speak with us. You'll have heard me comment that I hope that Damon doesn't come down to the cellar as I'm hunched over shouting hello into his beer cooler. Sadly, we couldn't reproduce this, no matter what we tried, and it didn't happen again. With midnight coming, and the restaurant now being closed, Tom and John go to see Damon, leaving me alone in the cellar for five minutes. I'd ask Tom and John to ask him if we could get into the ladies' toilets. The ladies' toilets was a place that I was eager to see, as this was the first place that Suzanne encountered Jessica, and it's a location that has been linked to paranormal occurrences since before that night in 2004. In one incident, which predates Suzanne even stepping foot inside the wheat chief, a shaken female customer was in these very toilets when she looked in the mirror and saw the reflection of a young girl standing behind her. She turned around to check the girl was okay as she looked to be in some distress, but when she turned around, there was nobody there. Quiet here. Ghosts of the wheat chief in. We're um, here in the ladies' toilets. I know this wouldn't have been the ladies' toilets in the old days, but we've heard that there's been people who've came in yet to use the facilities and you've pulled on the hair, you've been stroking the hair and scaring them. Why don't you scare us? Why don't you show us what you can do? Give us some kind of a sign that you're here. Or at least talk to us. Yeah, say something. Turn the taps on. Slap in the face. Make a noise. Make the toilet seat fall down. Turn the lights off. Yeah, come on. We haven't came to, to take the mickey or to... I haven't came to make fun to try and send you on your way. We, we quite happy that you belong here. And we want you to stay. We just want to know more about you. We don't mean any harm. We don't want you to harm us. We just want you to give us some kind of a sign. That was some shouting outside. Give us some kind of a sign that you're here. Pull our, pull our hair. Touch us. Come on, if there's a, if there's a spirit here. Touch my hand. Turn up the emergency light. Make a flicker. Yeah, do something. Make the orange light go off on my gadget. Show yourself to us. Come on. We know that there's somebody here. Apparently people have came in here and they've been really scared by somebody pulling their hair or touching them. Felt like we've been watched. We promise not to be scared if you want to show yourself to us. Unless you want us to be scared, in which case we might. <laughs> Take it as a challenge. Come on, do you want me to leave? Is that what you want? Do you want me to leave? What was that? I don't know. This is one of their names. I think this is one of their names, I was going to say. Oh, I just got squirted in the eyes. That's the sign. That was me being squirted in the eyes. Yeah, come on, give us some kind of a sign. 
After an uneventful ten minutes in the ladies' toilets, we met up with Damon, and he showed us the areas that we would have access to for the last hour. The restaurant was now closed, but there were still people drinking in the bar, meaning that we'd be able to hear music throughout the rest of our investigation. We could now access the restaurant, the kitchen, the attic, both the male and female toilets, and we'd just been into the ladies. Damon told us that the ladies' toilets was, and I quote, the little girl's bedroom. This fascinated me, and it still fascinates me now, as I'd never heard this claim before, and I've never heard it since. Most of what we know about Jessica points to the fact that she lived elsewhere in Bolden. She was abducted and brought here to be sexually assaulted before being murdered, and then her body disposed of. We started in the restaurant, and Damon joined us. We'll just do a thing, and so we'll try the Frank's box. That's, a bit quiet. That's nice and easy. It's a bit quieter in here, so... Yeah, be... should we try the Frank's box? Give it a go. Ah, right. uh, I mentioned earlier on, it's uh, under the, the bell for the lift. Uh, oh, yeah, where, where, is that? where is the lift? The lift. I'm guessing it's one of these. Yeah. It's, um, this is called a Frank's box, and what it is is, do you know, um, like they reckon that ghosts can communicate through, um, like white noise. You know, like the frequencies in between radio stations are, are like TVs that aren't tuned in properly. This scans through radio frequencies, and like I did a ghost on Marsden Grotto, and there was the first time I'd seen anybody use it. They were um, they were using it. And they said, like, oh, is there anybody there? And they've got this, like, as it scans through, you can hear voices. And they heard somebody say, Daniel. And then they said, like, oh, how did you die? And it's like, fell, and all of this kind of stuff. And then another group did exactly the same thing later on, and they got the same answers. But the two of them hadn't spoken to each other, so we'll give it a try. But we've used, we've used this, it ends up we've not had anything really happened other than we did a ghost on in Edinburgh at the Edinburgh Vaults Underground. Oh. And uh, every time we're asking a question, we're being told to F off by something. And it was like 10 o'clock in the morning, so it was, uh, it was a bit strange. Like. As you'll have heard, I explained to Damon what a Frank's box is, and its place within an investigation. These devices have grown in popularity hugely since our investigation in 2015, and now every investigator possesses one, although it's more commonly known now as a spirit box. It works on the theory that spirits can communicate in white noise. The empty frequencies between TV channels are radio stations, and a Frank's box scans through radio frequencies at high speed so that it's possible to pick up on the voices of the dead in that unoccupied space. Unusually, the Frank's box, which I'd actually used very briefly in the few minutes I was alone in the cellar while Tom and John were looking for Damon, just won't work. It'll turn on, but there's no sound whatsoever. As I attempt to find out why it's not working, Damon tells us about somebody who was bitten on the thumb by something unseen, and even left deep teeth marks. Finally, the Frank's box springs to life, and we ask a series of questions, but hear nothing in response. And can you ask, though? Because if you were asking, not on something, I wouldn't have heard it because of that racket anyway. But there's nothing coming through there. If you are here, please give us a sign.
set us up. We know that this Joseph person preyed on, on, on young girls, children. The spirit of his victims may still be here. If you're here, please make yourself known. Tell, tell us your name. If you can touch one of us, please do so. building has quite the reputation for uh, 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 the number and activity of the spirits here. We've come here especially to speak to you. Please make yourself known. close at the back. If anything comes near it, that'll sound. There's a new machine on the table in front of me. Try to pick it up, touch it, move close to it. Splitting up for five. See if anything happens when we're on our own and then we've got somewhere to go. If you like it. John asks out. I try the Paracorder 667, a device that will sound if somebody gets too close to it. I position it on the table. John asks anyone with us to go towards the grey box. Nothing happens. In the interest of time, I suggest we split up for ten minutes with each of us going into a different room to attempt to get a lead. It seems really quiet, so this gave us the best chance of one of us experiencing something, then we could all gather in that area for the last half hour of our time in the Wheat Chief. We agree, and Tom will go back to the toilets, accompanied by Damon, John will stay in the restaurant, and I will return to the cellar. It's 12.25am, so we agree to give it 10 minutes and then regroup at 12.35. I leave the voice recorder and all of my gadgets with John. John explores the kitchen before sitting at a table in the centre of the restaurant all alone. And while sitting here, he explains to anyone there with him who he is, why he's there and that he doesn't actually believe in them. So if anybody is there, prove it. For this he hears two knocks on the table immediately behind him. He thanks whoever that was and asks if they can repeat it, but he gets nothing. The remainder of his ten minutes pass by peacefully, quickly and uneventfully. Tom and Damon had even less success in the ladies' toilets. Tom had tried asking out, they had tried looking into the mirror in the hope of seeing the little girl, they had knocked on the wall and asked for anybody there to repeat it, but nothing. 
anyone up next door or anything? Nothing from the kitchen. thought I heard a knock on the t- t- uh, table behind me at one point, but couldn't get, couldn't get any repetitions of it. Damon suggests we could go up into the attic. During my interview with Suzanne, she'd asked me about the attic, and she told me that that had been a bit of a paranormal hotspot. While Tom and Damon had been in the toilets together, Damon had told him that the body of an eight-year-old boy had been found up there. John says he won't go up the ladder, not because he doesn't want to go into the attic, he just doesn't fancy climbing the ladder. But both Tom and John agree, in my absence, as I'm still down in the cellar at this point, that I should be the one to go up. I return about a minute later, and sadly, I'd experienced very little, much the same as both Tom and John. There did appear to be some sounds which weren't coming from the beer cooler machine, but as I couldn't establish what they were, or where they were coming from, I had to dismiss them as nothing. I'm told to plan for me to go up into the attic. I peer up, and it looks like the floor is mostly missing, as there's clearly some work going on in there at the moment. You're going to take your uh, dictaphone and do a little SK, SKO in there? No, I don't think so. I think if I do go on and do a few minutes, because otherwise I'll end up watching the ceiling. He's been up for 20 minutes before. Has he? Felt it easy, so he came down. I'm surprised. It's a horrible place. Tom tells us that Damon says he's been up there for 20 minutes before, but he came down as he felt uneasy. We survey the attic situation, and Tom volunteers to go up, as he's keen to see what's up there. You'll be alright. The light's right above your head, I'll see you okay. It's freezing down there in the cellar. Yeah. All the lights are off. Uh, John, keep all the alarm on. I just want to find out the power 467's going off and nobody's near us. John, this just keeps going off. Maybe it's because it's right next to your dictaphone. Um, it's been right next to me dictaphone the whole time though. Maybe there is a ghost trying to contact us. As Tom climbs the ladder, I ask John to hold it for him. And the paracord a 667 positioned on the table John had been sat at earlier starts to sound for no apparent reason. It should only sound when someone or something goes close to it, but there's nobody near it. As I'm talking, there's a strange noise right next to the voice recorder. John and I chat, and I say that I do think it's a strange place for a ghost hunt, as it's a nice restaurant, a far cry from Chillingham Castle that we'd been at the month before. It reminds me of when we visited Dalhousie Castle Hotel in Edinburgh, but that's an investigation for another episode. As John and I talk, Tom and Damon are up in the attic. I can quietly hear Tom asking out. The attic is so far above us that it sounds like nothing more than a whisper. After a short while, Tom and Damon descend, carefully, from the attic. I'm well aware that we've only got 15 minutes left, and we try to decide where best to spend our precious remaining time. We agree to stay in the restaurant, where evidence of Jessica's remains were found hidden within a wall a decade earlier. Damon tells us that these upstairs rooms are the most active in his experience. But most things happen up here when you're downstairs and the rooms are empty. 
However, with the bar still being busy, this isn't an option that we have. Tom asks out, asking for somebody to move something. Asking Joseph to come and get us. I believe there's a man by the name of Joseph here. A horrible man. You probably don't want us here. If you don't want us here, could you, could you try and move us on? Give us a sign that you don't want us here. 15 minutes pass by quickly and quietly, too quietly, and our investigation is over. I hear the church bell chime for 1am. I pack up all of my equipment and we thank Damon for kindly accommodating us. As he walks us to my car, he points out across the village of Bolden and says that people believe that the remains of Jessica and the other children Joseph killed are at the bottom of a well in the garden of a big house that he points out to us. He says that the well is full of bricks and rubbish but there, at the bottom, beneath all of this modern-day debris, are the long-lost skeletal remains of eight poor, murdered children. As this sobering thought sinks in, we say our goodbyes to Damon, and thank him for our evening. And we escape the bitterly cold winter's night by climbing into my car, and I turn the heating up full. As we make the short drive home, we reflect on our evening. Considering the reputation of the wheat chief, once named the most haunted pub in the UK, it was a huge disappointment. However, we didn't draw a complete blank. There were some unusual sounds in the cellar, and John heard footsteps on stairs that nobody was on. John also received two knocks on command in the restaurant when he was there all alone. Sometimes this happens. I said in an interview recently that over the last 20 years I've conducted an awful lot of investigations, and roughly 90% of the time, very little happens. I want to be completely honest with you, and that might not always make for a thrilling listen, but sometimes, as in this instance, it'll be a relatively quiet night. That said, there's an awful lot more investigations to come. The Wheat Chief is an incredible place, a fairly unremarkable pub with a truly remarkable haunted heritage, but tonight we struggle to find the spirits in a pub of all places. Thank you for joining me for this special episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. And there's many more to come as I'll aim to put out one of these episodes every month. If you're not a Patreon supporter and you're listening to this in the future when I've released it to everybody, you could get access to these bonus podcasts three months earlier by becoming a Patreon supporter for only £3 a month. And you'll also get early access to all of the weekly podcasts. For more information, check out the podcast description or you can head over to the website at www.how-haunted.com. You can follow How Haunted on Twitter at at HowHauntedPod, or over on Instagram at HowHauntedPod, where you will see photos galore relating to the Wheat Chief. If you want to get in touch, you can do so by visiting the website at www.how-haunted.com, or you can email me directly at rob at how-haunted.com. Feedback location suggestions and your own experiences are all more than welcome. Feel free to ask me any questions you like and I'll answer them all on a dedicated Q&A episode. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, if enjoy is the right word, then please subscribe and review the podcast on your podcast provider of choice. It really does help people to find this podcast. I have a copy of my book Ghosts of Yoga for grabs. If you'd like to enter, it's incredibly easy to do. All you need to do is follow me on Twitter and or Instagram. My username for both is HowHauntedPod. You'll get one entry for each, so you can enter twice by following on both. The competition will end on the 24th of December 2022, and the winner will be announced over on Twitter and on the first podcast episode after the closing date. Thank you so much for accompanying me for this very special paranormal adventure. Stay safe, and join me next time, when we will once again ask the question, How Haunted?